Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 to quote that great theologian and philosopher of our time inspector callahan a man's got to know his limitations gideon does and in knowing your limitations he knows the resources to tap into Hi there and welcome. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Our time today takes us back to Judges chapter 7. We are looking once again at the life of Gideon and how God uses this man whose, as we have found out, strengths are his weaknesses and his weaknesses become his strength. We'll explain more as time goes on today. We're looking at the triumph of one man and how God will bring this about if we but yield to him. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Boy of Grace. Today we're going to be dealing with a concept overarching at the idea that God in his call to men and women, he engages them to join him in the task of overcoming God's enemies, which become our enemies as well. And it's something you and I need to know. When you become a child of the living God, you're an adversary to this world system. But you're also a representative of God. So as a representative of God, you got to know when to stand for God. Now, often what God will do, as you're seeing in the Gideon account today, God called one man, didn't he? God called one man and gave him an assignment. And God then used that man to be a drawing factor, a magnet to draw other men to him. Did he not? When men and women become children of the living God and you have an assignment, guess what God will invariably every time do? He will give you people to help you get your assignment done. Now, what that infers is this. God gives you assignments that you can't do by yourself. That's what that infers. It infers that when God calls you to do an assignment, you and I are not to assume two things, that we have the resources to do them or the ability. It's just that you are the man or you are the woman. At that point, you have to engage God for the help that you need. In other words, God is calling helpers to help him who themselves, what? Need help. Now, this is the way that you walk with God. When God is calling you to be a teacher or a lawyer or a professor or whatever vocation you are in, you need God's help to get there. If you're going to serve God as a fireman or as a police officer or some other noble uh, activity, you need God to get there. Now, once you start asking God to help you to get there, guess what God is going to do? He's going to give you people that can help you. You can never glorify God ultimately by yourself. 
And I'm hoping that comes home to some of our younger people. Because see, this is about how God gathers and God accomplishes and God expands his glory. So Gideon is in the middle of several lessons that you and I have learned as to how God prepares and matures and humbles, but assures and affirms that God is with him. This is quite remarkable. You know, Gideon has been asking God the question, if you are with me, 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 show me. And every time, guess what God does? Shows him. I want you to mark some uh, preliminary ideas in chapter 7, working up to our outline. In chapter 7, I want you to notice something. In chapter 7, verse 2, it opens up this way. And the Lord spoke unto Gideon. Do you see that? Now look with me over at verse 4. And the Lord spoke unto Gideon. Do you see that? Now look over at verse 5. The text tells us again in the line after the first, and the Lord, what? Spoke unto Gideon. Will you look over at verse 7? And the Lord, what? Spoke unto Gideon. Would you look at verse 9? And it came to pass that same night that the Lord did what? Spoke unto Gideon. That means God don't mind telling you over and over and over again how to get it done. The inference is clear. When God gives you an assignment, you need to not only ask God for help, but more than ask for help, you need to listen to the Lord. Because he's speaking. He has taken Gideon every bit of the way to where Gideon is now. Gideon didn't take one step without hearing from God. And God was leading his son along And telling Gideon all along, Gideon, this is what's going to happen. Gideon, that's what's going to happen. Gideon, I'm going to do this. Gideon, I'm going to do that. Gideon, tell them this. Gideon, tell them that. Are you listening to me? What I'm saying is, when you're doing God's assignment, you're not running off at the mouth most of the time. You're listening to God. This is how you mess your assignments up when you start going to the left and to the right and leaning on your own understanding. So you'll notice inherent in the text and our lessons are for us. When God has an assignment for you, do more listening than talking. Because Gideon is there now. Let me show you the impact of having, remember now, you only got one mouth. You got what? Our children learned that in Sunday school, didn't they? Do more listening than talking and you will get God's guidance in your life. Now notice the outcome. Now, you remember what I told you? Gideon was constantly saying, Lord, if you are with me, by the time we get to verse 15 in the text, notice how Gideon has been transformed. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he did what? He worshiped and he returned to the host of Israel and said, rise up. I told you what that word means. Get ready. It's time to go to war. Rise up. And what did he say? Listen to this. For the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of the Midians. Do you see that? Out of all this time from chapter six to chapter seven, Gideon is going, if, if, if. Now he has the revelation. And will you notice a little caveat here? Because this is really the kind of through line for our message today. When Gideon comes back to the team, Guess what he does not say? Rise up. 
For the Lord had delivered the Midianites into my hands. He said, into your hands. Which is the essence of what Christ has accomplished and is accomplishing today. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, is saving men and women, sanctifying them, growing them up, and using them to bring him glory. Do you see it in the text? God has delivered the Midianites into your hands. Now, all of a sudden, the men are obligated, are they not? Because God has now allowed the promise that was given to Gideon to expand to where? To them. See, Gideon has been riding on a promise, has he not? Gideon, I will deliver the Midianites into your hands. Now, all of a sudden, these brothers who've been hanging out with Gideon through these weird providences and shrinking and growing and shrinking of numbers and et cetera. Now, all of a sudden, the ball is dropped into their hand. Do you know what they have now? They have the promise of God that as they participate in this battle with Gideon, they will obtain the victory. Now, that's how Christ works with us. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us to have the victory. Do you agree with that? It's true if you agree with it or not. I'm sorry. And I want you to get this. God's going to have somebody on his team. God's going to have people that actually serve him and want to. God's going to have people who will hear this process that we've been going through for several weeks with one man, Gideon, one man. Remember what he says? Gideon, you will destroy the Midianites as what? One man, one man, one man. Who is that one man? Jesus. Jesus, if I be lifted up, what? Everybody that's meant to be saved will be saved. But is Jesus doing that by himself? No. He's doing it through his church. All right, four points to work through briefly. If you're with me right now, notice what I say in point number one. A communion, what? A communion motive. Now, this gets back to the excellent part of uh, the Gideon narrative that I love. Remember, Gideon heard the Midianites talking. I'm over in verse uh, 12, and we're going to work through verse 14. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand of the sea by the multitude. Now here it is. And when Gideon was come, him and his servant Pura, behold, there was a man that had told a dream unto his fellow. Now you guys remember what we learned last week in terms of the principle? Gideon, your victory is where? In the enemy's mouth. And so now Gideon is hearing the enemy actually affirm God's plan, is he not? Here it is. Notice what it says. Behold, I had a dream, says the enemy. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto the tent and smote it that it fell over and turned it that the tent lay alone. Can you guys see the vision? He said, a loaf of bread entered into the camp of the Midianites and completely laid it waste, and it lays there. That's a dangerous loaf of bread. (laughs) Now, when we are given to these narratives that gives us all of these different metaphors, 
What we have been taught is that God uses earthly things to teach us spiritual things. I'm happy that it's a loaf of bread. In my mind, I'm wondering whether it's wheat, you know, barley, rye, whatever, because I like bread. But this is a gospel message inherent in this loaf. Will you notice the enemy is destroyed because of the what? The loaf. Point number one, the communion motif. We know that a loaf of bread starts with a seed. Do we not? Isn't that what I told you last week? Every loaf of bread starts with a seed. It doesn't matter what kind of corn it is. It has to start with a seed. Who is that seed? It's Jesus the Christ, right? A seed abiding alone cannot bear fruit. It must go into the ground and do what? Are we not talking about the cross work of Christ? Jesus said, however, by the time I rise again, I will have a multitude without number who are just like me. They look like me. They act like me because my DNA is in them and they will serve with me to bring to pass my will. And there will be no harvest. And we know the harvest means the end of time. There will be no harvest until every grain of wheat sprouts and matures so that God can send his angels in with the sickle and gather in his harvest. Am I making some sense? That means we must still be in a process of growth right now. Would you agree with that? All right, let's look at the word of God a little bit and be apprehended by it. Under point number one, Christ is the seed. I'm going to go to Galatians 3.16 right now because I just quoted John 12. If you don't know it, listen to what Abraham understood. Now to Abraham and his seed were the what made? A promise that you would be the father, Abraham, father of nations, of nations around the world, of people groups from every ethnic group. That means that Abraham's promise was not bound to his literal bloodline. Unless, of course, God did something marvelously for all of us. And so Abraham is told that his seed would be given the promise. And he said, not seeds as in many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is what? So God was talking to Abraham, not about Isaac and Jacob ultimately, but about who? Y'all got that? All right. Are you tracking with me? Stay with me then. From Abraham to Jesus. From Abraham to Jesus was 2,000 years. Let me ask you a question. Did God, in fulfilling that promise, gather men and women into the agenda to bring it to pass? Did he gather men and women and families and tribes to bring that to pass? Then my point is good, is it not? God always works through his people to get his job done. And therefore, from Abraham to Jesus, have we not seen many Jesus types coming into play to let us know, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's all about me. And we are there again And that is the anchoring truth of God's agenda and purpose in our life. And just for you to know, Romans 15, 4 says those things that were written before time were for us, for our learning. That we through patience, patience meaning to endure, not sitting in a waiting room like at the doctor's office. It means to endure, to bear up under the weight 
of joining in God's purpose and plan and not throwing the weight off and running away. Bear up under the weight because the weight is what changes you. Tell him, coach, the weight is what changes you. The weight is what presses down on you enough for you to wake up from the delusion that you can do this in your own strength. As it presses down, you get embarrassed because you know it's getting ready to collapse. And all God wants you to do is all he wants you to do is go, what? Help! And then the helper comes along called the Holy Ghost, working through somebody to get on each end of the way and say, let's go up, son. Let's go up, daughter. Keep pushing. Keep pushing because you're going to become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because you have acknowledged your weakness. That's what we have in the Gideon narrative. You need to get it because, you know, we're going to amen. But I know when you go home, you're going to be complaining about the weight. You're going to be complaining about the weight. One of the things that damns us is complaining. Point number one, again, let's work through it. Christ is the seed. Secondly, we are the what? Christ the seed, we are the sheep. This has been given to us in the Hebraic principle for a long time. Remember, Israel is an agricultural nation, are they not? So they know all these metaphors of the vine and the olive trees and the fruit trees and, and the uh, field of harvest. Do they not know? This was inherited, this was, uh, this was applied to the Levitical system. And because we are priests, this will apply to you too. Listen to what Leviticus chapter 23, verses 10 through 18 says, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when you be coming to the land which I give you and shall reap the harvest thereof, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Y'all see that? Y'all ready? The seed is Christ. The sheaf and first fruits is the church of the living God. You and I are called the first fruits of Christ. Do y'all know y'all Bible? And do you know what we're dealing with here? We're dealing with Passover all the way up to what? Pentecost. It was on Pentecost day, 50 days later, that God would send the Holy Ghost and men and women would be converted from 17 nations that was at Pentecost. You guys remember that? They were the first fruits of the gospel and they were the means by which the gospel, along with the apostles, went into every part of the world Starting at Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to me. And you too, if you believe the gospel. What's happening? Seed is being sown and the harvest is being brought forth over and over and over again for now almost another 2,000 years. Is that right? Are you a child of God? Then you are also a sheaf. And you know what the high priest was to do? Take the sheaf and offer it to God and then turn the sheaf into a loaf and then offer that loaf to God as well. Look over at verse 18. I want to kind of skip through those verses. Look with me at verse 18. Ah, let's see here. And you shall offer the what? Go back to verse 17. I want to make sure we see the loaf. Yes. You shall bring out of your habitation what? Two wave loaves. The number two representing the concept of witness. Jesus sent them out two by two. And so when the wave loaves are given to God, it's a symbol of the church of the living God being connected to Jesus at the seed, being connected at the sheaf level, and then made into the bread that is the communion of the body of Christ. Do y'all see it? Can y'all see the loaves of bread there? 
What do they look like? Long, 18-inch, around? What do they look like? Okay, I'm just asking. Do you see the loaves? The loaf is the finished work of Christ applied to the body of Christ that becomes a community of communion in Jesus Christ. Do you know in Christ you're a finished product? You're not just a seed. You're not just a sheep. You're a finished product. And that's how God wants us to see it. Now, help me now. If we're a finished product, shouldn't we be acting like a unit? Shouldn't we be functioning like a team? Shouldn't we be functioning like we're already the righteousness of God in Christ? Shouldn't we be having the kind of communion and fellowship that can never separate us? Because God has now taken us through the fire of sufferings and has brought us into the unity of the faith of the Son of God. Anybody hearing me? If you are, then listen to what the Bible says in the New Testament. We're over now in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because 1 Corinthians 10 lays this out. Verse 10, starting at verse 16 and 17. Then we'll move on. But I want you to see the implications of the narrative. Because I know where I live. I live in a country where everybody feels like the best thing to be is all by yourself. The problem is that has never been the mind of God. Not once. He reveals himself in the Bible as a community. And God said, let us. Y'all got that? And God, one, said, let us, three, make man in our image and in our likeness that they may have dominion, that they may fill the earth, that they may subdue it. Am I making sense now? Not only did he make us in the Imago Day, he meant for us to practice the unity and the fellowship of the triune God. That's why he started with marriage. Because marriage is a principle of unity and integration, is it not? And he took the man and he put him to sleep and he did what? Took a rib from his side, built a beautiful sister. When that brother woke up from that operation, he said, whoa! It's the mystery that's been going on now since the beginning. Now, wait, wait a minute. The only reason you hear is because he said, whoa. And she said, show. <laughs> right now, this is the mystery. We can slip right on into marriage therapy right now because it starts with the woe. And then she says, show, right? Because she has to say yes. And the twain become one flesh. And that's why these little brothers and sisters in here now are here. Because God knows how to take two separate people and make them complementarians so that they can bear fruit unto God's glory. God is increased by the increase of the church in Christ. All right, read your Bible. I know what I'm talking about. Now listen to it carefully. The cup of blessing, which we bless. Do we cup that, bless that cup every month? The cup of blessing, which we bless. Why? Because it points to him who loved us and gave himself for us. It points to his shed blood that purges us and cleanses us and secures us with God. Is that not right? Thank you, Lord, for that blood. And then we go. And the bread, uh, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the what? Communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat. This is broken for you in remembrance of me. It's the body of Christ gathering together as a unit that feeds on the body of Christ as our spiritual life. 
And once we feed on him, his spiritual DNA becomes ours. And do you know what that means? As he is, so are we in the world. In other words, there's a body of believers in the world that bears the divine nature and such are those and those alone who are called God's loaf. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.